you guys doing this morning? Come on, let's give the Lord a hand. Come on, He's worthy. Amen. It's so great to see so many of you here today. Wow. We're going to continue to have a fantastic time this morning. We're continuing our series we began a few weeks ago called Stronger Than Ever. And you know, anxiety is at an all-time high. Uh, everywhere we turn, there are reasons to be anxious, aren't there? We've got to wear these masks. We can't see loved ones as often as we would regu regularly do so. I have spent more time at home than any other time in my entire life. It's amazing, isn't it? And you know, it's easy to feel anxious. It's easy to feel discouraged. It's easy to feel like, well, what's the future going to be? Is the pandemic going to spike? Is it not going to spike? Uh, um, I was at the grocery store not too long ago, and I had my mask on, and I sneezed. And, you know, everybody jumped back. You know, I was like, I'm so sorry. You know, I wasn't trying to contaminate anybody. But, but it just makes us anxious on the inside. And uh, God's Word has some great things to say to us about this great subject. In fact... To deal with anxiety, we have two options. Number one, we can either change our circumstances, but a lot of times that's impossible. In fact, if you could change the things that you were anxious about, you would have already done that. <laughs> but the second thing we can do is we can change our heart, and we can turn our heart more towards the things of God. And that's what I want to talk to you about today from the 27th Psalm. Now, a lot of times we talk about the 23rd Psalm, because that's a good one, isn't it? 23rd Psalm, amen? But the 27th Psalm is right there with it. This is an amazing Psalm. I think today we need the 27th Psalm maybe more than ever. And I want you to look with me at these verses. We're going to look at it next week as well. But I want to look at Psalm 27, 1 through 6, because uh, King David, the author of Psalm 27, was a man that dealt with great anxiety. I mean, just to give a few examples, his son Absalom tried to steal the throne from him, and at one time he had 20,000 men and ran his father, David, out of the capital city of Jerusalem. Now, you want to talk about some pain to see your own child do that to you is pretty, pretty sinister. Um, ever since David was anointed as king of Israel by Samuel the prophet, he was just a teenager, he had a lot of problems. Um, Saul uh, made him a general in his army, but Saul got a little jealous of him, and he would send David into battles intentionally hoping that David would be defeated and he would be wiped out. Now, how would you like to have a boss like that? And David kept winning. Um, he, he knew that uh, David wanted to marry one of his daughters, so he said, well, go kill a hundred Philistines, and uh, I'll give you her hand in marriage. And David killed 200. And then he ripped him off and gave him the little sister. You know, how would you like that? And you're like, I, that wasn't what I bargained for. Later on, Saul took the little sister wife back away from David and gave him to another man. How about that? This is crazy. This is, this is in the Bible. This is all in the Bible right there. It really is. I'm just giving a few examples, okay? I mean, David is hated by all the nations around him. He has battles with all of them. He's got a crazy family. One of his sons rapes one of his daughters, and then the other son goes and kills the brother that raped the daughter. So you have rape, 
and murder amongst the siblings. I mean, this is crazy. I mean, the life of David is kind of like the Kardashians met the Bachelor, met the Titan Games, met Dateline NBC, met One Life to Live, put in a blender. How would you like that? So is there anybody more, more appropriate to talk to us about stress and anxiety than, than King David? I, I, he, he takes the cake in my book. Let's see what he has to say to us. Look with me, if you would, in Psalm 27, beginning in verse 1. The Lord is my light and salvation. Whom should I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Whom shall I dread? And I want to give you five things today to help you overcome the anxiety of your life. Number one, the Lord leads me. You know what? When you're anxious, remember this. God is the one that's going to lead your life. And he says God is light. By the way, in the New Testament, it says God is light and in him there is no darkness. Meaning that the direction that God leads you is always the right way. God is a light. When you can't see, you look to the North Star, God, and God will begin to illuminate your path. The Lord is the one who, who leads us. He's the one who, who directs us. Uh, in the 23rd Psalm, the Lord is my shepherd. The shepherd leads the sheep. But here in Psalm 27, God is light. And God is a light because he illumines our path. When you're anxious, many times it's because you don't know what to do. That, that's what brings anxiety, was uncertainty. God is a light. We look to God, the light, in times of fear, in times of worry. And everything is scarier in the dark. When my daughter was a little bitty girl, she was probably three or four years old. She may not have even been that old. She was uh, in bed one night in her crib. And she began screaming bloody murder. You know, the parents know that cry. Kids have different cries. There's whimpers. There's like Freddy Krueger's in the closet, you know, kind of thing. So I run upstairs and she says... Uh, Dad, there's a spider. And she has a chandelier over her, over her bed. And I'm looking at that. And the nightlight's kind of reflecting. And uh, I don't see any spiders. There was a lot of different pieces to the chandelier that were reflecting on the wall. No spiders. And, uh, but when things are in the dark, they're scarier, aren't they? And shadows look bigger than they are in reality. And so I went over and turned on the light switch and I showed her that there were no spiders in her room. And I'm convinced that there are some times when you need your dad to go over and turn on the light. And that's what the Lord does. When our eyes are on the Lord, God begins to turn the light switch on. And he begins to show us that there's not as many spiders as we thought there were. There's a big shadow. And sometimes we need that. Um, David says, the Lord is my light and salvation. And then right after that, he says, I will fear who? No one. I will fear no one. One of our biggest points of anxiety is the fear of people. The fear of man, the Proverbs calls it. What are they going to say? What, what do my neighbors think about me? What does the guy at the office that has the cubicle next to me, what, what, what does he say? What do my parents say? What do my family say? What do my friends say? What do my 
whoever say, what does the culture say? The fear, the fear of man. Listen, man, when your eyes are on the light of the Lord, you will fear nobody because you're so busy beholding the glory and the power of God. You, are, you don't have time to pay attention to what everybody else says, to what they say. He says, I will fear no one. Uh, Proverbs 29, 25 says the fear of man proves to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Uh, and, and that word snare is a word that describes like the trapping of a bird. A snare is the way you catch, a, you catch, you catch some, some type of bird. The problem is God has designed you and I to soar. And if we're caught in a trap, we can't fly and ascend to the heights that he has purposed for us to climb to. So we cannot let the fear of people hold us back. The fear of humanity, the fear of them, the fear of they, the fear of man, whatever you want to call it, will take our eyes off of the light of God God is a light, and I can't follow the direction of God if I'm caught up in the snare of the fowler. And he says, but whoever trusts in the Lord will be kept safe. In other words, in times of great struggle, we're kept safe by keeping our eyes on the Lord. Um, in the book of Exodus, the Israelites are delivered from the ten plagues of Israel. They get to the land of promise. They're about to go in. God already promised it to them. And, and it's right there before them. 400 years of slavery is over and now we're free. And we got the land that flows with milk and honey. It's going to be awesome. And God's with us and all this. And the Israelites send the spies in and they come back. And you know what the report is? The people are too big. We can't do it. The fear of man I wonder what you're not doing right now that God has called you to do simply because of what somebody may say. Listen, man, if you're going to follow the Lord, if, you're gonna, if God's going to lead your life, there's going to be people along the way that think that you're crazy. There's going to be people that disagree. There's going to be people that, that, that are nervous around you. That's okay. That's all right, because the Lord is a light, and all whose eyes are on him will be kept safe. The Lord leads me. It gets better, though, because he, he transitions, and he says, the Lord also delivers me. Now, check this out. The Lord is my light, and say it with me, and my salvation. And my salvation. The Lord is my light, and my salvation. The Lord delivers me. Whom shall I fear? And this word salvation means deliverance or rescue or safety or welfare. When people are putting you down and you feel like it's over, remember that God is the one who will come and rescue you. Don't, don't rely on yourself. Rely on the Lord. Rely on him. Um, I mentioned earlier David is sent into battles where he's, the odds are stacked against him. He should not win. But he keeps winning. Why? God's his deliverer. At one time, King Saul is chasing David around, trying to, trying to get him to kill him. And he sends an, a little platoon to go find him. And, and they find David. They hear where he is. And instead of arresting David, 
the Bible says that the platoon begins to prophesy. The Holy Spirit comes on them. They begin to preach the word of God. They can't touch David. Saul sends another group. Guess what? The same thing happens. He sends a third group. Same thing happens. Listen, when the hand of God is on your life, nobody can touch you. And your life is not over until God says it is. Do you know that? You are, man, you are indestructible until God says, game over. God's with you. God's with you. He, he's your deliverer. He's your deliverer. The, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. Wh whom shall I dread? He says there. Um, now, I'm not a fan of WikiLeaks or Julian Assange, but this is really interesting. A few years ago, Mr. Assange is about to be arrested. He's in London in desperation. He dresses up like a motorcycle courier and he goes to the Ecuadorian embassy and he asks for asylum. That led to a seven-year stay in the Ecuadorian embassy in London. Now, he's, he's a wanted man, but... But under the rules that, that, that govern embassies, embassies are like foreign soil on native land. So if you're at the Ecuadorian embassy and you're in London, that's Ecuador. And nobody can touch him. And the, the British authorities want to arrest him. And there's all kinds of like secret operatives that are lurking around ready to grab him if he takes one step out of the Ecuadorian embassy. But he stays there for seven years and nobody can touch him. I saw a picture of the little room that he lived in. He slept on a mat on the floor. He shared a bathroom with all the people at the... This is Ecuador's embassy, for crying out loud. This is a tiny little place. And for seven years, man, he stayed there. Now, it wasn't a very big place, but isn't it amazing that in an environment where people all around him want to harm him, that he was safe? And I want you to know today, if you're a follower of Jesus, you live in the embassy of heaven. There's people that oppose you. There's people that want to fight you. There's people that want to see you defeated. And they can't do it. Because the Lord is our deliverer. The Lord is our deliverer. He's the one that protects us. He's the one that watches over us. He says, um, whom should I dread? You know, sometimes you dread people. Sometimes you dread things you have to do. Sometimes you dread obligations. But when our eyes are on the light of the Lord, who should I dread? My, I'm looking at God. I'm thinking about the Lord. And the Lord is my stronghold. That's where, that's where I'm focused. Now, how do I do that? He challenges his hearers to keep their eyes on the light of God by remembering God's past faithfulness. Look at it in verse 2. When evildoers came against me to devour my flesh... My foes and my enemies stumbled and fell. What God has done in the past is what God is going to continue to do in the future. So all that stuff that God has brought you out of, that should propel you in the present 
It should encourage you towards the future. Don't just look back and say, you know what? God blessed me. God delivered me. God strengthened me. God picked me up, put my foot on a rock. But that was a decade ago. I guess God can't do that anymore. No, 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 no. The same God that was leading you and directing you when you were in all of that, when you were in over your head, when you didn't know what to do, that's the same God that's going to provide for you and deliver you and protect you today. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. That, that's why so much of the Bible is looking back. Have you ever noticed how the Old Testament and the New Testament talking, are talking about so much of the same stuff? In the New Testament, they're writing about God's faithfulness in the Old Testament. When you look at, at, at even passages in the Old Testament, it'll refer back to older passages in the Old Testament. The Old Testament is woven together with the Old Testament. Because the idea is God's past faithfulness. The God who saved you, the God who redeemed you, the God who lifted you up, the God who has strengthened you is the same God that will meet your need today. Don't forget it. When the evildoers came against me to devour my flesh, my foes and my enemies stumbled and fell. They couldn't do it. So the Lord delivers me. Um, he says also the Lord calms me. The Lord calms me. God is a great sedative. Some of us need, some of us need this today. Though an army deploys against me, my heart will not be afraid. Though a war breaks out against me, I will still be confident. I mean, come on now. I mean, like, bad stuff is going on around me. And David's like, I'm still confident. I, I'm, I'm, not, <clears throat> I'm not captured by fear. You know, maybe David was just a little bit nervous, but he didn't have, like, this, this level of anxiety that incapacitated him. He just remembers God's faithfulness in his life. And he remembers that the Lord is the one who calms me. Now, David is not in denial. In fact, a lot of teaching about anxiety, if you read articles and, and you read uh, books about it, a lot of times people will say, well, just don't think about it. But is not thinking about your problems going to really make it better? Last time I checked, it doesn't. If you've got a problem, you still have a problem. Let me submit to you today something that's greater. What if you begin to change your perspective of God? You have some big problems, but you have a big Lord. You have some big struggles, but you have a greater God. You have some big adversities, but you got the creator of the heavens and the earth that is living in you. That's where the power comes from. That's where the strength comes from. So David is not in denial and he's calm because he knows that God is with him. And he finds comfort in his faith, not denying that there is a problem. Not denying it. You can be calm and confident in a huge problem. Now sometimes when people around us begin to bring accusation and begin to say things about us that are not true... There's a time for self-reflection and, and, and a time for us to, 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 to maybe look at ourselves and, and say, well, maybe I should have done some things different. Maybe we've made some mistakes along the way. That's true. But there are times when, when people 
are angry with us and we haven't done anything wrong. And that's, that's David's case. But it's easy to feel like you've done something wrong when people are upset. So, so, so part of human nature is to say, well, you know, well, I don't think I did anything wrong, but everybody's mad at me, so maybe I did do something wrong. And we begin to lose confidence. Isn't it beautiful that whole armies are coming after David and David is as confident as he was before the conflict even in, in began? His confidence is not shaken. Listen, don't, don't let it beat your confidence down just because you're going through hardship. If you've done something wrong, own it. But if not, keep, keep moving. He says, God is the lifter of my head. I, I will still be confident. I, I won't be afraid. I, I love superheroes. And I love the confidence of superheroes. Do we have any super... Anybody just loves superheroes? Aren't they awesome? Come on, I just... Oh, somebody's having a revival over here. Yeah. Love superheroes. Superhero, there's one script for a movie about superheroes. The bad guy dominates. The superheroes are put down. It looks like all's going to end. And then they rise up and defeat the bad guys. Is that true? I mean, if you know that, you can write tons of movies. Okay, I'm helping you today. But I love superheroes because they all have different superpowers. Like with the Black Panther, he's got the heightened senses. He can, he can smell things that are really far away. He can hear things at a great distance. He can see things that are very, 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 very far away from him. He's got those heightened senses. Other superheroes, they have other powers. I, I want to submit to you today that when Jesus Christ is in your life, you, you have some superpowers. The scriptures tell us that the same power that raised Christ from the dead is living in you. Now, I'm not talking about being able to leap a building at a single bound or to run faster than a locomotive. I'm just talking about the power and the presence of Jesus in your life. And part of that supernatural experience is what the Bible calls the fruit of the Spirit. Peace, joy, love, goodness, kindness. See, when the Spirit of God's in your life, you can have spiritual fruitfulness that's coming out of you even though you're being oppressed. And, and David's like, I got peace when people are coming after me. The whole army is trying to find me. And I still got peace. Isn't that amazing? His eyes were on the Lord. His eyes were on God. And, and he didn't lose his confidence. He didn't lose his swag. The Lord is our protector. The Lord um, protects me. Now check this out in verse 4 and 5. I have asked one thing from the Lord. It is what I desire to dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing on the beauty of the Lord and seeking him from his temple. Uh, David says, you know, the way the Lord protects me is I'm going to stay close to God. And he says, there is one thing that I've asked of the Lord. I mean, not five things, not ten things, but one thing. And the one thing that he asked was not, God, get me out of here. 
which we love that prayer. But the one prayer was, I want to be close to God. I mean, just check it out. Because see, listen, when you're going through some adversity, a lot of times we pray, God, in the pain. God, deliver me from those people. God, pull me out of those circumstances. That's our prayer. This is David's prayer, is that I would dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, gazing at the beauty of the Lord and seeking him in his temple. He's saying, God, I want to be close to you. (laughs) Do you see it? It sounds kind of contrarian, doesn't it? David, you should be saying, protect me from that sinister king, King Saul, trying to take me out. My son, Absalom's coming after me. Lord, get rid of Absalom. You know, that, you, you think that's the prayer. No, he's like, I just want to be close to God. Listen, the safest place you can be in the universe is, is closest to God. If you want to be safe, find where the Lord is and go run there, is what he's saying there, okay? Now, the problem is a lot of times we get anxious because we don't have one thing, we have five things. Or our one thing is not being close to the Lord. Sometimes our focus gets off and we get focused on good things instead of God things. So we get focused on our family, we get focused on our hobbies, we get focused on our romantic life, our careers, all those are good things, but they're not God things. Those are not the focus of our life. God is the focus of our life. If we will seek first the kingdom of God, all these things will be added to us. David is saying, God, I want to be close to you, and I know that if I'm close to you, then all the other things will fall into place and be good. Isn't that beautiful? We substitute good things for God things, and we wonder, why am I so anxious? Now listen, your God is the thing that brings you the most anxiety. See, the things that you're worrying about is an example of where your focus is. I gotta get this promotion. I I, 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 I gotta have this money. I, 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 I gotta do this. And, and we, we, we have put a lot of anxiety on ourselves because our focus is not on God. It's on, it's on good things and not God things. And we wonder, well, why am I so anxious? Are you driving yourself crazy? That's the question today. Am I driving myself crazy? Because I'm so anxious about the things. And the things that I'm worried about are not the things that God's concerned about. I want to focus on one thing. That's on the Lord. And I know all these other things will work themselves out. When God is our one thing, it actually brings confidence and peace into our life. And we don't have to worry. We don't have to worry. Now, let's break down these three verbs very quickly here. He says, I want to, first of all, dwell in the house of the Lord. Do you see it in verse uh, 5? To dwell in the house of the Lord. He wants to be in the presence of God. In, in the Old Testament, the presence of God dwelt in the sanctuary, in the tabernacle, in the house of worship. Now, under the new covenant, the Spirit of God doesn't reside in a place. It resides in the hearts of people. So, so every person that's called on the name of Jesus, the Spirit of God, the presence of God is, is in our lives. 
But David says, I want to be in the tent of meeting, the tent of worship. David put the designs together for the temple that his son Solomon would build several years later. But before that, they met in a tent. Worship was in a tent. And David wants to be in the presence of God. He wants to be close to God. When I first started walking with God, I wanted to be at church all of the time. We had this chapel at our church. It had these real big stained glass windows and these hard wooden pews. You know, like the more miserable they are to sit on, like the more spiritual they are. You know, like that kind of thing, you know. And I wanted to be there all the time. And, you know, there's something to be said for sacred places. And I believe that this room that we're in today is a sacred place. I believe that. But as I grew in my faith, I also began to understand that the presence of Jesus went with me wherever I went. And I began to turn my car into a sanctuary because I would turn on worship music and I would listen to the preaching of God's word when I would travel. And my bedroom became, became a place of worship as I would get on my knees and pray. And, and even when I went out of town, you know, I, I could have worship experiences and I could feel close to God because the presence of Jesus was there. And David is saying to us today, if you want to overcome anxiety, you have to be a person that is hungry to be with God. I want to dwell with you. He says, man, I, again, he's not praying, Lord, bring the wrath down on my enemies. He's saying, Lord, just let me be closer to you. Lord, I want to be with you. I want to be with you. I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. No wonder they call David the man after God's own heart because he just wanted to be with God all of the time. In the ancient Near East culture, when a visitor entered a person's home, they were personally responsible for their protection and provision. And we could point out a few examples of this from the Old Testament. But basically, if you were coming over to my house and you were staying in my basement and some people came over to hurt you, I would defend you and fight for you just like I would my children. And that's what David is talking about when he's saying, look at the verse again, um, uh, one thing I've asked of the Lord is that I will dwell in the house of the Lord. God, I want to be in your house. I want to be under your safety. I, I want to be under your protection. I want to be close to you, Lord. Dwell. How do we get rid of anxiety? Dwell in the house of the Lord. Dwell in God's presence. But he also says gaze. He says gaze. I, to gaze means to contemplate. Because if I stare at something, I'm staring. If, if you've ever stared at somebody or stared at something... You're thinking about it, right? So when, when he says, I want to gaze upon the beauty of the Lord, what he's saying is, I want to contemplate it. I want to be close to it, and I want to gaze on it. I, I'm thinking it over. I'm, I'm, I'm mulling it over in my mind. I'm thinking about it. Um, the Bible is giving you the antidote to anxiety, and it's not a patch, and it's not a Band-Aid. It's a major surgery. And it's a, heart, it's a heart transplant. It's a new way of living. It's a new way of thinking. And, and it requires us to gaze on the beauty of the Lord. I'm going to think about God's goodness. I want to think about God's grace. I want to think about God's power over and over and over again. And then he says, seeking him in his temple. Um, to seek means to get counsel from. So if I'm seeking God, I want to know what God has to say about my life. So he says, I want to dwell in the house of the Lord. I want to be close to God. 
I want to gaze on God. I want to think about God. And I want to seek God. I want to know what God has to say about every circumstance in my life. No wonder David says, I got confidence. I got strength. I got power. I'm going to rise above my enemies. I'm going to, I'm going to rise above the anxiety that, that <clears throat> so much wants to, to capture my life. The Lord protects me. Finally, the Lord empowers me. Then my head will be high. Above my enemies, around me, I will offer sacrifices in his tent with shouts of joy. I will sing and make music to the Lord. Um, my head will be high. Listen, when you're discouraged and defeated, where's your head? It's down, isn't it? You're walking around like this. I'm defeated. When God lifts your head, you're optimistic about the future. You don't have time to be depressed. You don't have time to be discouraged. God's, God's the one that holds our head high. And I love this because David does not become cynical. Listen, when you go through things, sometimes you can come out on the other side and you can be jaded. Somebody cheated on me. I don't trust people anymore. Somebody lied to me. I'm cynical about everybody. David doesn't, he doesn't, that's not his outcome. His eyes are on the Lord, the light of his salvation. He's not cynical. His head is high above all the enemies around me. Listen, when the Lord is in your life, you will begin to have a perspective that looks over the people that are committed to your demise. Isn't that beautiful? And he says, I will offer sacrifices in the tent with shouts of joy. I mean, come on now. Like, <laughs> I mean, David's coming out of this thing joyful. Joyful. People are coming after him. People are chasing him. His kids are crazy. His wives are crazy. His life is out of control. David's got joy. His eyes are on the Lord. Man, when your eyes are on the Lord, guess what? You'll be a joyful person and you will sing and make music to the Lord. One of the reasons that we love to sing at church is because music is an expression of joy. And when you have the joy of the Lord in your life, you want to sing. You do. Now, this word to hide means to treasure away. And he says here, um, uh, you will hide me. You will hide me. Uh, under the cover of his tent and you will set my foot on a rock man when you're walking with the lord you'll be on top of the world you'll have joy in your heart your head will be lifted high and that's why the lord leads me he delivers me he calms me he protects me he empowers me this is the great god that we serve and that's why fear cannot stop us. Will you pray with me?